But God, we thank You that we can come into Your house this morning, Lord, where we can sing songs glorifying You, Lord, lifting You up because You are good, Lord God. And today we glorify You. Lord God, we look to You and thank You for everything You're doing, that You have the victory in our lives. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Do you know what I, I love uh, about my personal walk with God? Is that I get to sing songs like that. I think so much you can listen to music on the radio and all of that stuff and it's like, my life is terrible. It is so hard. The church, we're, we're victory in Jesus' name, amen? And so uh, just I encourage you to celebrate that. Be thankful for that, is that we have a God that loves us so much. So you can take a seat and welcome to Activate Church. How are we doing this fine morning? Is everyone good except for Ashley Muller? Great. And uh, so a lot of you will be tired and happy. A few of you will be tired and sad, and a few of you will just be normal, which is good. Like Owen, because he likes netball instead of rugby. I don't get it, but anyway. Hey, so welcome to Activate Church. It is absolutely great to have you here. If this is your first or second time, we have a new people's area, and uh, with, it's got a little pa- uh, package there that's got a free coffee and some chocolate in it. So if you see one of the awesome host team there, the guys in the uh, green t-shirts, they will send you right over and collect all your details and get you connected in. Is that good? Excellent. Hey, do we have any birthdays or anniversaries? We want to give out chocolate. Anybody at all? Excellent, won't you? Alright, Muller, what's in your anniversary? Well done. Congratulations. Oh, we should be... uh, praising Gabby for that one. So church, why don't you stand? Excellent. Hey church, we're going to pray for these guys that uh, follow along on the screen. Father, thank you for your family. We declare blessing, health, favour, prosperity and protection over them this year. Activate your love and goodness through each one. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Fantastic. I love chocolate in church. It's great. I love that it sits on the front row too. Sneaky pinching. Hey, uh, who was here last Sunday morning? Last Sunday morning, a whole lot of hands. I just want to say thank you so much for participating in our mucking in our community. It was a fantastic morning. Who really enjoyed it? Yeah, everyone, pretty much if you were there, you enjoyed it. It was so good. And just having the reports come back from the community as well about the blessing that it was is absolutely fantastic. So I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. We'll be definitely doing one again. So everyone with South African Church, you can bring your old clothes to use then. Well, is that? Oh. Anyway. Hey, we've got some other CIA is still continuing. So we've got the food bags, which are out in the foyer. So if you've got at home or you'd like to donate, um, go to the supermarket and uh, grab non-perishable goods. That will go to our food bank. And that's open Monday to Friday here. And it's a way that we bless our community. But um, we can't do that with bags of air. And so we need you, you to bring in some supplies for that. That would be awesome. Lastly is the light party. Who's been to the light party before? All the kids, you kids enjoy the light party last year? Yeah. 
So the light party is what we do as an alternative to Halloween and it's on the 31st of October. It's an absolutely fantastic event. Last year and for the last few years we've had over 300 kids and hundreds, uh, 100 or so parents and it's just a, a way of engaging with our community, putting on a hugely fun night. And so we need your help. We need your help with running games. But if you're like, I'm not really a games person, then you can actually just come help out in the parents' lounge. Just connecting, building relationships that those that come in from the community and you get food. There's like cakes and stuff there. So um, I'm in the parents' lounge this year and it's gonna be awesome. I don't know if I am, I've just put myself in there because of the food was good. Anyway, hey, and oh, also I missed one, but we've got Martin Steele. Who's heard Martin Steele speak before? Martin Steele is uh, an incredible preacher. He's from Harvest, uh, Harvest, Harborside, Harborside, that's right. Harborside in the North Shore. And every time he comes and speaks here, he brings something that really encourages the church, teaches us a lot, and he, and he really brings something prophetically. So can I encourage you, come along and uh, bring someone to that as well. So that is really good. Kids, would you like to go out and have a fantastic morning in Kids Church? Have a great time. Hey, let's uh, give Ashley and Ashley a huge round of applause for leading. Awesome, Church, why don't you stand? We're going to continue with our worship this morning. Uh, Thanks, band. you are our hope. Lord, that you are our light, Father. You're a God of forgiveness, Lord. You're a God of mercy, of grace, and you love us, Father. Lord, we want to declare this morning that we love you, Lord. Thank you, Father. You are light. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You are hope. You restore every heart that is broken. Great are you, Lord. It's your breath.
sing you give life you give life you are love you bring light to the darkness you give hope you restore every heart that is broken oh yes you do Lord
we'll sing of your praises, Lord. Be glorified, oh Lord. Glorified, oh Lord.
worship, I've just felt like God is just really bubbling. Yeah, and he's and he was just stirring something in me. I said, God, what is it? What is it? And it's like Jesus is just saying, Do you know how how much I'm interceding for you? Do you know how passionate I am for you? Do you know how incredibly loved you are? It's like my God, my God, he is. It's like he's just pouring out again this fresh revelation. He wants you to know. He wants you to know and believe how desperately he he works on your behalf. Whatever situation you're in, whatever you're facing, whether it's sickness or or financial or whether it's family stuff, he is interceding on your behalf. And I just feel like he's he's just got this big heart wide open and it's a river and he's just saying come in, come into my river and it's like imagine yourself if, if there's a river right beside you and there is that you, that you imagine that now you close your eyes and imagine there's a river and it's good and it's clean and it's sweet and when you get in there it's so refreshing and he's just saying jump in, jump in jump in because I've got so much for you. I want you to know the fullness of my love. I want you to know it's so deep, so deep. And so Father, I just pray that you would break the um, the fear, any fear, you would break off any um, despondency, that you would break off any doubt, that you would break off any sense of inadequacy, that I can't jump in. You know, whatever it is that would hold them back, God, release your love, release your power, release your spirit to just come around and say, I'm going to walk with you, and we're going to do this, and we're going to get through whatever you're going through. So, Father God, we just thank you that you will give to each one now just something from your heart, something from your spirit that they need, because you're an awesome God, and we can love you without fear. He's so incredibly in love with you. spend some time reflecting on that word sing covered before the the service I just felt there was going to be a whole release on people that, that that you come in and during the worship during the message that there's be weights that would come off you and so if you're battling against anything if things are kind of weighing you down why don't you take this time as we sing covered to know that God has covered that. That to know that God has overcome that. And to live a life light, knowing that God has the victory on your behalf. That He is fighting the battles for you.
Father, thank you for your awesome presence. Father, thank you for your grace, the unmerited favour of God. Lord, we can stand here this morning, not because of anything that we've done, but all because of what Jesus has done on the cross. His precious blood shed that our sins are forgiven. As far as the east is from the west, the Lord has thrown our sins away. Lord, we can stand here righteous, guiltless, holy. You're awesome, Father. You're absolutely awesome. And Jesus, we honour you. We declare worthy is your name. Worthy of all praise. Come on, church, let's lift our voices and declare he is worthy. He is worthy to be praised. He is worthy to be exalted. Great is your name, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your outpouring on the earth. As the church was given birth nearly 2,000 years ago. Thank you for your power that wraps around this globe calling, wooing the hearts of men and women and children to know Jesus, to follow Jesus, to live for your glory. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here this morning. I pray that your grace and your anointing would rest upon each one of us. Lord, let us drink of the richness of your word, swim in the river of life, Lord, knowing and enjoying your presence forever. And everyone said, Amen. Well, God bless you, church. Why don't you give your neighbor a high five as you take a seat? It's great to see you this morning. Thank you, Ben. That's absolutely fantastic. Well, Pastor Sheridan and Jan are on a break this weekend, so they're having some time away with the boys, which is, which is fantastic. Church, we have a wonderful team, the Night Market team, and I'm going to ask them to come out to the front and join with me. They've been going out now for many months, if not years, uh, to the marketplace. There's been some changes in it. But they've been sharing the love of Jesus, the grace of God. And yeah, let's put our hands together. And I'm going to ask Jeremy to just briefly give us an update and tell us a little bit about what you guys have been doing. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so as many of you might know, we're, this is our team here and we sort of, everything that we've sung about today and proclaimed and declared in here, we're just really passionate about taking out into the world and just really um, bringing people to an experience and an encounter with the living God. You know, it's our experience and it's certainly uh, what we've experienced over the last 12 months, that an encounter with the tangible, real presence of God has the ability to really draw people to the reality of Jesus Christ in a way that normal conversation isn't able to do. So, yeah. So, in terms of where the night markets are at, we're sort of positioned in a place now where that door has slightly uh, closed. Um, so, we're just looking at um, going forward. We're taking the values and the experience and the heart of uh, what the Lord has shown us 
uh, over the last 12 months, and we're just taking it out into, into the community. Uh, we've got a few events that we're involved in over the next few months, and from that point on, we don't know uh, what's next, but it's very exciting, so it's just good to awesome. be part of that. Thank you. And Jeremy, if anybody's interested, they can be part of the team. Come and see you. So, church, can I ask you to stand with me as we pray for them? Guys, why don't you come into the middle here? And um, let's, if, if you feel a heart for this and want to gather around them, come out and join me as we, yeah, just um, go to the front here, guys. So, you yeah, come on and let's be part of all of this. And um, I'm going to ask Josh to lead us off in prayer, so that would be great. Thanks, Josh. Lord, I thank you that your goodness and your love is not to be contained within these walls. But Lord, it's for our community. And I thank you for this team who are out in the marketplace, literally. Connecting with people and bringing your love into people who need it and who are, who are so far removed from you until they connect with this team and have that sense of connection with you. So God, we ask for your anointing on this team. Lord, and we ask for open doors ahead of them. With the current door that has closed, Lord, we would like to see that reopened at some point in the future. And we ask for favor in that. But Lord, we also know that when you close one door, it's because you're opening something else. And so with excitement, we look forward to knowing what is coming up. And Lord, we ask you for exciting opportunities where they will impact people in the community just by the love that they share and that the words that you would give them would be incredibly accurate, that as they sit with people, Lord, they would be anointed to know the words from you and that they would be able to speak truth into people's lives and bring such radical change and love into their hearts that lives are permanently changed. Lord, we ask for that, and I ask for a growth in this team as well. Lord, other people within this church who we can get stretched and grow and connect in with these guys, and Lord, sharing your love with people who are just slightly open in there as they, as they connect with them. Lord, they become so much more open. So Lord, we ask for your anointing in that, that it wouldn't just be words spoken by man, but it would be words by you, Holy Spirit, connecting right into people's hearts. Father, as a church, we stand with this team. We, we, Lord, we put our weight behind them. And Father, we release them and pray your anointing to be upon them, that, Lord, they would know with such clarity and insight as Joss has prayed what to say, what to share. Father, I pray, protect them. May they feel your favor all over them, Lord. May they know that they operate under the very smile of God himself. And we pray that, Lord, through this team, and, Lord, many teams in this city that are spreading the good news of Jesus, Hamilton would be the best place in New Zealand to raise a family. It would be a city set on a hill, shining brightly the light of Jesus. So, Father, we pray, have your way in this city and in this nation and the nations. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you guys. Let's give them a hand. I'm just going to have a cup of tea. My throat's a little bit raspy. How you doing? Good. Good to see you. You're looking good. Today I want to give a special uh, welcome to the Filipino students who have recently joined ATC. So welcome. <laughs> Lovely to have you guys with us. 
You're awesome. So welcome to Activate Church, your first time with us. Uh, and as Luke said, thank you to uh, church for your wonderful involvement in the community uh, last um, weekend. That was absolutely amazing. I've heard so many positive comments from our community and uh, with the work that we have done as a church, activating community transformation. It's fantastic. And not only is it great to be in the community, it's great to hear the community that grows and develops in the life of the church as we get to know one another a little bit better, shoulder to shoulder. It's good to do, isn't it? So, um, yeah, well done. So let's put our hands together. Well done, everybody. Very, very cool. Well, as you know, or at least I hope most of you know, uh, I've been looking at the book of, can you tell me? Philip, I'm really impressed. Because I asked that question oh, six months ago and nobody had any idea. So it's good that the message is getting through. And uh, one of the things when you look at, a, at the material that I'm going through... Um, we know it, but it's good to be reminded of it, isn't it? Because who finds they get a bit of forgetful with things? Yeah, oh, and I do too. I get told I forget a few things. So it's good to be reminded. And these things are not so much that we don't know them, but it's very, very uh, good to be reminded of them. And so uh, today I hope that we'll get through the uh, first chapter of Philippians and uh, Keys for Kingdom Living from the book of Philippians. So um, just a quick review of where we were uh, two times ago. So Philippians is described as the warmest, most upbeat, the most positive, um, happiest book in the Bible, and it truly is. And I'd really encourage you, if you haven't read it, take the opportunity. If you want a shot of positivity from God himself, Philippians is the book to read. But in saying that, it deals with some really upfront issues right in your face, even some difficult issues um, concerning suffering and perplexities, and chapter 1 really gets into that, and so we're going to be looking um, this morning at some of the challenges around what it means to suffer in Christ. It's a positive book. It's a practical book. It's a really, really personable book. Paul is really exposing himself, how he thinks, what he feels, and uh, to me, when I look at the book of Philippians, I see a model church. If I think about how Activate Church Hamilton can be, I want us to be like the church at Philippi. This is an amazing church. What are some of the features that make them amazing? Paul models them in the first one to probably 15 verses of um, Philippians chapter 1. And he talks about, every time I think of you, I give thanks. I want to thank God for you. I want to thank God for partnership. I want to thank God for the wonderful people you are. And that's one of the things that Paul models us, is to be a church that is grateful. I absolutely believe in gratitude. And if your mouth is not grateful, here's a challenge to you. Make the decision to make it grateful. Be grateful for the people in your life. Express thanks to God because He is good. In fact, my personal view is I believe gratitude is the doorway that opens us up into the fullness of what God has for our lives. Psalm 100 verse 3, enter His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. There's a protocol to be followed. Jesus is saying, let gratitude be the attitude of who you are. 
That was the attitude of the church of the Philippi, and Paul celebrates it, and I encourage us to be that. And I'm so grateful for the attitude of gratitude that I see. But I want us to really encourage us. Let's be a church that hits it out of the park with being grateful. Paul also went on in those early verses to say, whenever you pray for people, pray with them with joy. You know, if you can think of somebody you don't get on too well with and, and don't look around and see them, but uh, if you pray for that person, a workmate, pray for them with joy, you'll be amazed how God changes your attitude. So Philippians really is a book about how to think right. And if you think right, Paul goes on to explain you'll feel right and your identity in God will be absolutely rock solid. So think right, leading to feel right, leading to your identity. Who you are in Jesus will be rock solid. Let's go to the next slide, thanks. I put this up last time, but I've put some extra information on it. Philippi, the church at Philippi, was the first church that the Apostle Paul planted in Europe. So it's a very significant church plant. Uh, last time, I didn't put Ephesus or Colossus. Pastor Sheridan is preaching about the book of Ephesians. That's where it's located. We hear a lot in the news at the moment about Syrians coming through Turkey, going off to Greece. Around that area of Ephesus, a little bit lower, that's where many of those refugees are based right now as they try and get into Europe. Um, some of them are even going up um, around Philippi to the right of it as they go into northern Europe. So, um, and there's Gallipoli, something that we know well with the Australians from the First World War in 1915. So, as it was known as Asia Minor, it's modern-day Turkey, and in modern-day Greece, and Philippi was in a place called Macedonia. That town or that city was founded by Philip of Macedon in uh, 358 BC, and he was the father of um, Alexander the Great. What I didn't tell you last time, I told you that he was the father of Alexander the Great. What I didn't tell you was that Alexander the Great died when he was 32 years of age. And he'd conquered all the known world by the time he was 32. Pretty impressive CV. Yeah. Isn't that? All of that activity before he was 32. The other thing about Alexander the Great, he was a generous person. There's a story that's written about him. There was a beggar on the side of the road. And he was holding out his hand to, to get some money from Alexander the Great. And um, as the, the person was holding, the beggar was holding his hand out, he threw some two or three gold coins to this man. And the courtier that was with Alexander the Great said, why did you do that? All you need to do was a couple of, uh, his needs would have been met with a couple of gold, couple of uh, copper coins. And Alexander said, yes, a couple of copper coins would have met his need, but gold coin meets the needs of me as a giver. Isn't that interesting? He had a global perspective. He had a global perspective, a big perspective about generosity. And this morning, as we look at this, as Paul challenges the way that people think, he's really enlarging it. Let's think beyond our own square walls of this city and this nation. Let's think globally about what God is doing around the world. Let's give thanks for what God is doing around the world. Let's pray with joy what God is doing around the world. Let's pray for those that are suffering, particularly in Syria and those parts of the world at the moment. You can find the account of how the church was planted uh, in Acts chapter 16. I'm not going to go through that detail uh, today. But Paul, on a second mission, uh, missionary trip, 
planted this church um, in Philippi. And uh, I also mentioned that there was, um, when Paul and Silas went into the city, they stored up a, um, a, bit, of a, um, a bit of trouble and they were put in prison, um, as Paul was accustomed to. And um, when Paul was at prison, guess what he was doing? He was praising God. He was singing songs. And at midnight, there was an earthquake. And all the jail doors were open, all the, the stocks around them were open, and the jailer was about to kill himself, and Paul says, don't kill yourself, we're all here. Paul leads the jailer to the Lord, he leads another woman called Lydia to the Lord, and there is the church at Philippi started. The other thing I didn't say when um, we spoke about this two times ago, is that Philippi, in fact, northern Greece sits along the, uh, many fault lines, and in um, 1619, there was a massive earthquake um, in Philippi, and it basically destroyed the city. And so we can go, that was what was left of it, basically. And so it was from that time on pretty much uninhabited because of the seismic activity. So Paul started this church around AD 50, 52, and um, he finds himself at the time of the writing of this letter around AD 60, 10 years later, He's in a Roman prison, and he writes four letters, one to the Philippian church, Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon, and uh, the letter of Philippians is a letter of thanks that Paul is writing to the church of Philippi. The reason why he's saying thank you to them was a man by the name of Epaphroditus that walked, rode donkeys, camels, went across rivers, across the sea to bring him a gift, a financial gift. And Paul is so delighted and so happy that the partnership with this church is so strong. This church had a global missions perspective. They weren't interested about their own four walls and even the community, which is good. It's really, really good. They had a global perspective about investing their finances and their ministry for what God was doing in the known world. And that's what I love about Activate Church is that we carry a global initiative for visions. It's great that it's in the city, which is fantastic, and nationally, but globally with works in Europe and in Asia, isn't that awesome? And it's an important mindset to carry a global mindset to see the gospel um, preached around the world. So as I said, Paul talks very clearly to the Philippians about right thinking, right feeling, having a right identity. And so this morning, we're going to pick it up from verse 20 of uh, Philippians chapter 1. So if you've got your Bibles, if you've got your device, let's go to Philippians chapter 1, verses 20 to 21. And this is what Paul says. So up until this point, Paul has been talking to the church um, about what the characteristics of, of what they should be doing. Now he turns all the attention inward and he talks about himself. And this is what he says, For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I've been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better." Now, the thing is, when you're going through a book like this, you can't pick and choose the scriptures that you want to uh, look at. You've just got to take it as it comes. So if we can go to the next slide, Paul is pointing out three really important things here. 
Develop a mindset of expectation. Develop a mindset of expectation. Hope is an incredibly powerful thing. Just as hopelessness is an incredibly powerful thing. I don't have to tell you about teen suicide rates in various parts of the world, even in New Zealand, where there have been some trouble spots over the decades. One of the fundamental things in a teenager's or a person's life that finds themselves confronted with those choices is they feel hopeless. But Paul says, I fully expect. And as a church, the, Philippi, uh, the church at Philippi developed a great sense of the expectation. You know one of the things I love about expectation, about carrying hope? It's like a jet, in, jet engine that's in your gut. When you wake up in the morning, you're going, I'm so looking forward to today. You might be going on a motorbike ride. You might have something to do at work. You might be going on a holiday. It's an expectation of something in the future, and you're going, I'm fired up, ready up, set to go for this thing. And our expectations can be for the day ahead, the week, the month, years ahead. It even goes right into eternity. And that's the hope that Paul is talking about here. Developing an eagerness of mind and expectation that carries you into eternity. And this is what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. We are eagerly waiting for him to return as our saviour. So if I ask you today, how eager are you for the Lord to return? Some of you might go, yes, I can't wait. Others would go, oh, whatever. This is really, really important, church, because it affects your capacity to carry hope. And what Jesus, what Paul is saying, I want you, I expect you to be people that look forward with eagerness to the coming of Christ. Because that hope will shelter and cover every other hope that you have. And when you have a disappointment because one of your hopes hasn't been realized, it's under this umbrella of this hope that will never disappoint, Christ is coming again. And why does Christ want to come again? Because he loves you so much. He is absolutely enraptured for you and he can't wait to come and collect his bride. He's waiting for his dad to say, come, and Jesus will be off like a flash and going, I'm coming to get them. Carrying an expectation, I can't wait. Now, I'm not saying I'm waiting to get out of the earth here, but it's a mindset, thinking right. I'm longing for, I'm expecting, I have a hope that Jesus is coming. That hope is an anchor for my soul, and I'm not letting it go. I'm holding on to it. And so I challenge you this morning, if you don't have an eagerness or desire in your thinking that longs for Jesus, can I encourage you to develop one? Can I encourage you to develop one? About 18 months ago, I was in my prayer time with the Lord, and I felt the Lord say to me, Ray, you don't have enough hope. And I thought, wow. I didn't feel uh, told off. I felt convicted. And I thought, wow, I've got some work to build an expectancy, an eagerness for the return of the Lord. 
My daughter said something to me very interesting a couple of years ago. She's a school teacher now. Or she was, because she's, she's a mum now, but before she was a mum, she's a school teacher. And she said, Dad, you always expected me to do well at school. And I said, did I? She said, you did. And because of that expectation, I did. Expectation creates a vacuum for us to come into. And so if expectations in your place of work or your home are set realistically, Jesus is saying, have an expectation. I expect you to long for me to return. So it's an anchor for your soul. There was a little boy, a minister and his wife, they were going to record a message on their telephone, an answer phone message. This is their story. A minister and his wife decided to let their three-year-old son record a message for their home answering telephone machine. The rehearsals went smoothly. Mummy and Daddy can't come to the phone right now. If you leave your name, phone number, and a brief message, they'll get back to you as soon as possible. The dad thought, well, that's great. I'll push the record button. This is what the son said then. Mummy and Daddy can't come to the phone right now. If you leave your name, phone number, and a brief message, they'll get back to you as soon as Jesus comes. They could be waiting a long time. The thing is, nobody knows when Jesus is coming back. There was a group of people who said, we know in 1888, in fact, on the 8th of August, 1888, they said Jesus is coming back to rapture his church. And so they waited on a hill in England somewhere, and uh, the time struck midnight on the 8th of the 8th, 1888. And the leader of the group said, look, we got it wrong. We're actually a week out. It's now the 15th of August. 1888. So they went back on the hill again, waiting for Jesus to come. And as we all know, that time came and went. So if anybody says they know the time, just give them a, a big brief. But don't discount the importance of developing an eagerness and a, a longing and a sense of expectation. I'm looking forward to the return of Jesus. I'm longing for it. I'm eager about it, and I expect it. It's very, very important for our thinking to live with a mindset of expectation. Romans 15 verse 13 says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you, you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope pushes you past your limitations. Hope takes you into a brighter tomorrow. Hope, the greatest hope of all, will cover every disappointment because here's this great hope that our faith is anchored on. In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says these three things, faith, hope, and love endure forever. They're eternal things. Hope is an eternal thing. I, I wonder that the capacity that we develop them on the earth is to the capacity that they're exercised on, in, in, in heaven. Just a thought. So we need to take the opportunity to develop love, faith, and hope. And so it's a journey, but I'm going to give you just a couple of key points. How do you develop hope? Um, in, in Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about the arm of the Lord, talking on the helmet of salvation, 
or the helmet of the hope of salvation. Hope is principally a thing of the mind. So you can get up each day and go, Lord, I look forward with great expectation for your coming. Just a simple confession. I'm looking out. And that's what I began to do about 18 months ago. Not that I've done it every day, but when I do do it, I've sensed hope lift within me. So a very simple thing. Lord, I look forward with expectation to your coming. The next thing that Paul does is embrace courage. He says that I may not be ashamed. He's saying, that's one of our values, to be courageous. I'm going to be bold. When you have hope, when you have an expectation, when you've got the fuel of the Holy Spirit, you're going to be bold. You're going to be bold to share your faith, but you're going to be bold to confront injustice. You're going to be bold to say things to your children gently, to your wife even more gently. But there's a boldness to speak, there's a boldness to confront because you have hope in your life. Isn't that cool? It's really, really cool. Boldness to confront fear. And then thirdly, thanks. Paul says, for me to live is Christ. He's saying, I'm here to live for the glory of God. My life is all about honoring Jesus. And everything I say and everything I do is to honor him. Activate church. Everything we do. Everything we say is to honor Jesus. Not because of our ability or our great skills, but because of the Holy Spirit at work within us. This is not to say that we're perfect, because we're not. But God's grace is to help us. You know, it's, it's such a... You know, I talk to a number of young people. What do you want to do with your life? Don't know. What would you like to do for a job? Don't know. Paul says it's profoundly simple but profoundly powerful. I live for Christ. My life is to glorify God. My life is to honor Christ. And here's the thing. You can set your life on a career which is good. You can set your life on accumulating wealth. That's fine. But when your life is over, those things are gone. But the person who says, for me to live is Christ, when they die, they gain. Every other option loses, but for the believer, it gains. So I encourage you, who you're living for, what are you living for? Can you say like the Apostle Paul, and I take this, it's a challenging question. I, for me to live is Christ. I live for the glory of God. That is the best life to live, is it not? And that's what Paul is saying to us. You know, who you honor, who you respect, who you devote yourself becomes your identity. I used to work with a guy called Derry. Uh, Derry knew everything about the All Blacks. He could take you back to the 1950s and he could tell you who the All Blacks played. He could tell you who the captain of the All Blacks was, and he could tell you the score of the game. And we used to love winding Derry up. We would, he would say the score was, you know, 25-15 um, to the All Blacks against South Africa in 1963. And he would say, no, it wasn't. It was 24-17. And he just knew these dates inside out. He devoted himself to it. 
He gave himself to it. That was his identity. Whenever I think about dairy, I think about the All Blacks. When people ever thought about Paul, they thought about Jesus. Here was the man, here's the person, Christ himself, as we have Paul identified himself with. Powerful. Very, very powerful. So let's move on to the next slide, thanks. Um, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven. So Paul is, is changing gear here. Rather than talking about himself, he's talking to the church again. Above all, you, and this is after giving thanks, after praying with joy, after partnership, after how he feels about things, after living to honor Christ. He says, above all of that, this is the key. If you get this, you've got it. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come to see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together in one spirit and purpose, and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. We'll just stay on that one back, thanks. Um, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven. What Paul is saying there are three things here that we choose. We choose the perspective that we live on life. We choose who we partner with and we choose the purpose. I'm just going to talk about the perspective. We can choose to live with a heavenly perspective or an earthly perspective. Paul is saying above all, you've got to live with a heavenly perspective. Remember, life is a bit like a game of rugby. It has two halves. In this half, how we play this game determines where we spend the next half, with Christ or without Christ. And Paul is saying, if you want to spend the next half really well, make sure you live with this perspective. It's just not about this world. It's about living with a heavenly perspective. So to make the best of this life, live as though you're a citizen of heaven. That point of view will change the way that we live. That point of view means I'm going to be thinking about how Jesus thinks. What's important to the Lord? Faith, hope, and love. That's what's important to Jesus. And that makes a huge difference to the way that we live. This perspective that Paul highlights Above all, live with a heavenly perspective. It's so important for the next verse we're going to live at, look at. Because this perspective enables you to confront the life issues that happen in the next verse. So let's go. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for Him. We are in the struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I am still in the midst of it. So Paul is saying... Live from a heavenly perspective. That thinking is so important because you can rightly navigate the privilege of what it means to trust and the privilege of what it means to suffer. And when you look at that on the face value, you go, suffer? A privilege? Paul, are you really on the right planet when you are writing that? I think about the word privilege. I had the privilege... It's a bit of a rugby thing coming through today. 
And of going to the corporate box to watch the game against the Chiefs and the Crusaders a few years ago. And uh, in this corporate box, man, there were, the food was fantastic. It was really, really good. No need to line up for hot dogs or potato chips. Um, it was cosy, warm, it wasn't cold. And the view over the pitch, the paddock, the field, was sensational. No awkward seats, nobody you know, standing up in front of you so you couldn't see the game watch. Uh, watch the game. It was fantastic. It was an incredible privilege, an incredible shown uh, of kindness, um, of favour that I didn't deserve. It was a privilege. There's only one thing wrong. We lost the game. <laughs> but there you go. But we have won two finals, I might add. So, so that's good. So the privilege of trusting God from Genesis to Revelation I think you can sum up the Bible this way. It's simple. I think God would say, trust me. In Genesis, trust me. And, and Joseph, going through being sold and finding himself in prison, trust me, Joseph. Being accused, trust me, Joseph. And he finally ends up as the prime minister. And Joseph goes... I trusted him. Look where I am today. His father Jacob lost his son, and then you know the story about how um, his other sons are going to go and see um, the prime minister of Egypt. They didn't know it was, it was um, Joseph, and of course Jacob is in this terrible turmoil. And the Lord says to him, trust me. Trust me. Going through all through the Old Testament, all through the New Testament. It's trust me. Trust me. You know, of all the things that amazed Jesus, it wasn't his feeding the 5,000. It wasn't people being healed or delivered. It is wonderful as those things are. It wasn't the skill or the talent, the musical ability, the wealth that anybody had accumulated. There's only one thing that impressed Jesus, and it's faith. Do you trust me? Jesus said in John 14.1, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. So Jesus is amazed by faith. In Matthew 8 verse 10, Matthew 8.10, when Jesus heard this, this is the story of the centurion, and I think you know the story well. He went on to say, he was amazed, turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth, I have not seen faith like this in all Israel. What had happened, the centurion's servant was unwell, and uh, he said to Jesus, uh, can you speak the word, and um, he'll be healed. And Jesus said, yeah, look, I'll go with you. And the centurion said, no, you don't have to come with me, you just have to say the word. Just say it, and he'll be well. That's all you have to do, Jesus. Just, just, just you say it. And Jesus goes, I haven't seen faith. Just say the word and it will happen. So Jesus says the word and at that hour, his servant is healed. On the contrast, Jesus is visiting Nazareth, a place where he grew up, a place where he wasn't on it, and Jesus couldn't do many miracles. And it says in, um, in Mark 6, verse 6, 
And he was amazed at their unbelief. So Jesus is amazed at the faith of the centurion, the great faith, the amazing faith. And equally, he is amazed at the lack of faith of the people at Nazareth. And the thing is, every person exercises faith every day. We've exercised faith coming to the church, that people are going to stay on the same side of the road. People do that most of the time, but not all of the time. When you go to the supermarket, we exercise faith when we're buying fruit and vegetables, that nobody's tampered with them. When you go to the petrol station, you're exercising faith that a litre of fuel that's gone into your petrol tank is exactly that, a litre. And when you go to the doctor and he says you need an operation, you're exercising a lot of faith that when the, you're put to sleep, that you'll wake up at the right time, particularly not waking up during halfway through the operation. That wouldn't be very good. So we exercise faith constantly. And Jesus says, trust me. Trust me. Paul writes, it's a privilege to trust God. Why is it a privilege? There's many, many reasons. Here's the privilege. He who trusts me, his mind will be kept in perfect peace. That's a privilege to have peace. He who trusts me, his life is secure in the second half. He might go through some bumps on this side. He who trusts me, knows that I am good. The privilege of trusting Jesus. I could go through many, many more. I love Psalm, Isaiah 26, verse 4. Trust in the Lord always because he is the eternal rock. The word trust carries this picture in that particular verse of leaning against a rock that can't move. It's solid. It's absolutely immovable. It's unchangeable. And Isaiah says, trust in the Lord always because he is the immovable rock. Isaiah 26.3, you will keep perfect peace, all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust. And finally, Jesus himself on the cross in Luke 23.46. Six, And speaking in a loud voice, Jesus said seven things on the cross. This is the last thing he said. So it's very, very important. Last words are important. You can read many uh, bibliographies of people. Their last words are key. This is the last words that Jesus said. And remember, he's a dying man. And I don't know of anybody in a dying uh, state that's about to die who says they're speaking in a loud voice. Most people whisper. Jesus said, Father, into your hands I commit. That word commit is in trust. I commit, I trust, I hand my spirit to you. The very last words. Jesus says, I trust you. In the midst of incredible pain. That's a direct quote from Psalm 31 verse 5. Which says, into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, O Lord, my faithful God. That verse there was what Jewish mums and dads would pray with their children at night. As they put them to bed. The very last words. And so, Jesus models what it means to trust me. To trust God. 
So Paul goes on and writes the privilege of suffering. And I was talking to Wendy, or Wendy was actually talking to me about this. She said, you can't talk about that. And I wish I didn't have to. But it's what's here. Nobody wants to sign up for suffering. It's on nobody's bucket list. However, your attitude to suffering will determine really the attitude or the destiny of your life. I remember when I was in Palmerston North, I was an elder of a church there, and there was a woman, a lovely woman, and she was having some problems with her teenage son. He'd been a very good boy, got into the wrong crowd. Things were going a little bit wrong. And this particular night, this, uh, um, her son broke into a house, broke a window, he was caught by the police. The police bring uh, her son around, and of course there's going to be a court prosecution. Well, she got very upset about it. She saw me very soon after that and said, right, that's it. I'm no longer coming to church. I no longer believe in God. I pray that God would look after my son and it hasn't happened, so I'm out with God. I was shocked. And I was stunned. I was shocked and stunned because she was basically saying that her faith is conditional on things going well for her life. It's a dangerous position to be in. If you want to look at the most difficult, dangerous position, look at Jesus on the cross, absorbing so much pain and so much suffering. And he says, Father, into your hands I commit, I trust my spirit to you. Paul knew suffering was on the journey from the very moment he came to Christ. In Acts chapter 9, verses 15 and 16. But the Lord said, this is talking to Ananias going to Saul. Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel, verse 16. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Paul knew it was coming, but it didn't, he didn't let it deter him. And so Paul, by the time of this letter in Philippines, which he wrote these four letters from prison, he'd actually been in prison for four years. He was in Jerusalem where a riot broke out, so he was put in prison there. There was a, a, a hearing. Then he went to prison in Caesarea. He appealed to Caesar. He then goes to Rome, and he finds himself in Rome where he writes this letter. And 24 hours a day for two years, he's in shackles and chains bound to an imperial guard. And the imperial guards of the day were the elite soldiers of Caesar who were there to protect the Caesar. They were based in Rome, and Paul was bound to these guys for two years. And in Romans chapter 1, verse 15, so for my part, I'm eager to preach the gospel to all you who are at Rome. Paul was on his way to Rome, and he wanted a big platform to preach. The Colosseum was about to be built, and Paul was going, right. Here's my opportunity to preach to thousands of people. And what does he do? He finds himself in prison, bound to a guard. He doesn't have the big platform. He doesn't have the opportunity to preach to thousands of people. But here he is, bound to these guards. And so he sees it in his suffering as an incredible opportunity to preach the gospel. And that's what he does. And the scriptures say that there were many of the household of Caesar that came to faith. Paul's idea would have been to preach to the thousand out there. God had a different plan in place. Through his suffering, he was able to preach to these guards. 
But also through his suffering, he wrote four amazing letters that have ministered to thousands and millions of people all around the world because Paul was in prison, because Paul was suffering. And he could have easily said, oh, I'm not going to sign up for this. And God would have gone, that's cool. But the blessing that you and I would have missed because of Paul of not going through for it would be incredible. I want to talk about something else. There's the suffering for the gospel, but also we have suffering in our daily lives. We know well the story of Job. And here's Job. He loses his crops. He loses his farms. He even loses his children. And when that happens, I mean, that's incredibly, incredibly grievous, isn't it? And I think about suffering. And I want to really encourage you with this, church. When, when, there's often two responses when people go through suffering. For many Christians, they respond this way. They say, I need to pray more. I need to read my Bible more. Maybe God is punishing me. That's what some people tell me. Can I say, don't say that. That's a moralistic approach to try and reason what's happened. It doesn't impress God. For those that don't believe God, they take a cynical approach. Well, if God is good, or even if there is a God, why does this suffering occur? So you've got a moralistic approach, and you've got a cynical approach. What does God ask us to do? Very simple. Live with a mystery and say this, I trust you. Jesus is on the cross. His final words, I trust you. From Genesis to Revelations, trust me. Trust me. That is what the Lord is saying. We can't make sense of it. We can't understand it all. But God says, trust me. This year has been, for Wendy and I, the most difficult year of our lives. Outwardly, it looks okay. But in January this year, our grandson, I found this really hard to, to share in the, the 9am, so hopefully I'll hold it a lot better together here. In and, and, and January, which was a wonderful um, gift to us, our first grandchild, and four weeks later to the day almost, we got the news that he'd been diagnosed with cystic fibrosis, which is a genetic disease which is serious. And um, I remember my daughter coming home and uh, she walked through the, the front door. She just hugged me with tears streaming down her face and saying, Dad, it's so hard. And I just thought, I just can't fix it. I just, I just can't fix this. I remember when she was a young child running on the front yard and she was five or six and she'd fall over and graze her knee and she'd come to me with tears in her eyes and I'd rub her knee and pat her head and give her a kiss on her forehead and say, you'll be fine. And five minutes later, she'd completely forgotten. But it's not the way. Within receiving that news, 24 hours later, we received some really, really tough news as well. And there's just been a number of things. And I remember going to the lake, and there's a steep hill, and I was walking up it with just tears coming down my face. And I wasn't so much into questioning why. I've got no problem asking God why, but I, I, 
I didn't go there. I just said, God, I trust you. I trust you. I can't work it out. I can't make sense of it. But I trust you. And I'm not giving up on trusting you. And I know for many of us, we've had situations like that. And I commend you for your stance to trust God. It is the best place to be. We know to have all the answers now. It's a mystery to live with. I don't need any pet answers to be moralistic and I don't need a pet answer to say whether God is good or not. My model, our model is Jesus on a cross. Father, I trust you. I trust you. And so wherever you are today, I want to encourage you to trust God. It's a privilege to trust him. It is the greatest privilege. It's a nice privilege going to the rugby, but it's a much greater privilege to trust God. It's a much greater privilege in our suffering to trust him. We're going to be concluding with a hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. I think that's what we're going to do. Horatio Spafford wrote this this hymn. It's a famous hymn. And uh, in 1873, um, he decided to take his family on a vacation. They were leaving Chicago, they were leaving the States to go to England. And he had some busy business commitments. So he decided to send his family ahead of him. As he did while he was conducting his business, unknown to him, the ship that his wife and his four children were on collided with another vessel. And his wife is rescued and she sends a telegraph to her husband, Horatio, and says, saved alone. They lost their four children. And uh, the grief and pain of that is unimaginable. And so Horatio Stafford gets on the next vessel to go to be with his wife in England. And as he comes past the place where the tragedy took place, he penned this hymn, It is well, it is well, it is well with my soul. He didn't hold back his grief, but he was saying in spite of it, in spite of not making sense of it, I trust you, Lord. And this is what Paul is saying to the church of Philippi. I want you to think right. I want you to give thanks. I want you to pray with joy. I want you to partner. I want you to feel right what it feels to be favored, to feel a special place, to feel special affection. I want you to know what it is to live for the honor of Christ. There is your identity. But with those things, here's the critical thing. Think with a heavenly perspective because life has some tough yards. And in those tough yards, if you can learn to say, not a pat answer, not a moralistic answer, not a cynical answer, but to say, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. Your hope will be richly rewarded. And because of this hymn here today, I thank God for this man. This hymn has been sung by millions of people all around the globe. His faith has inspired my faith, and I'm sure your faith and millions of others. So no matter where we find ourselves, 
my encouragement is trust God for he is with you can we stand to our feet let us pray Father I thank you for your word I thank you for the apostle Paul who went through imprisonment for four years and counted it a privilege to trust you counted it a privilege to suffer for you Father we thank you that we Though we cannot understand everything that happens in life, Lord, we place our trust in you. We thank you for the highlights. Lord, we trust you through it all. And Father, as we sing today, this is our declaration that we place our trust in you.
we thank you, Lord, that you love us so much, Lord, that you want to journey with us, Lord God, that you want to have relationship with us. Lord, we pray over every single person now that is going through some some hard times, some challenges. Lord, I pray that you would that they would know you are with them, that you are there to support them, to encourage them, to empower them. Lord, and they would have their trust firmly in you, in Jesus' name. So Lord, we give you all the glory. And Lord God, we would pray that you would touch every single person who's going through something. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, why don't we give Pastor Ray a hand? That was an awesome message. At the end of the service, which is really shortly, we'll have a prayer team up the front. So if you'd like prayer around anything, it could be health or it could be around what Pastor Ray spoke about or anything else, we'll, we invite you to come down, the for, uh, come down the front and we've got a prayer team that would love to pray with you. Also, as a church, we love to be purposed with our giving. And so there is giving stations on the way out. And so I encourage you to stop by there. And we have Peter Height speaking tonight at 6pm, which is going to be fantastic. Who has never been to the 6pm service? Well, not never. Who hasn't been to the 6pm service this year? Hands up. Hey, why don't you come tonight? It'll be awesome. You get to hear Peter speak. He's fantastic. And um, if you come and you've, you've never uh, been to a... Well, you haven't been this year, we'll give you a free chocolate. How about that? You don't even have to be new to church. Just new to the service, we'll give you a chocolate. Hey, have a great day. Remember the prayer down the front is open. Um, go the All Blacks for next Sunday. Uh, in Jesus' name. Have a great, have a great week. See ya.